And he said, because that man is accelerating the knowledge, the way we live is accelerating to match the knowledge that we're gaining. And what that means as a church is though our message is, is timeless, our, our, our calling is timeless, it, it is based on, on the word of God, it's based on the presence of God, it's based on his principles, but the methodology we use has got to change to meet an ever-changing culture. And if we're not careful, where it used to be, you could change over decades and you could change things over, over multiple decades because culture changed so slowly. We're in a time where it is changing so fast that we as leaders have got to be tuned into the Holy Spirit on what's the word for today? What's the movement for the day? Come on, somebody. But, but I'm so glad that even though knowledge may be changing, our God is always ahead of whatever changes in our work. I think it's Amen. In other words, we serve a God that's moving. We serve a God that's always moved. Move, move. Everything that he created is moving. We, we, we have to realize we're on a planet around a sun that is moving at 70,000 kilometers an hour. We're moving, right? We're moving. Why? And why are we moving? We're, we're moving because God created us to move. And, and, and not only that, the, the whole systems of the gravitational pulls and the winds and all of that is created to move with the, with the earth's rotation. Everything moves. Our bodies are moving. Our bodies are moving. We were created. They say that every cell in our body is changed out every seven years. You're a whole new person every seven years. I've lived eight and a half years, or eight and a half lifetimes. Come on, somebody. Amen. And, and, and so what does that mean? That means not only is culture moving, not only is our world moving, not, not only is creation moving, but we're moving on the inside. But I'm so glad that we serve a moving God. Some people serve God that are stagnant or idols or made of wood or materialism, but we serve a living God who's moving. And when we were met God, when we were first introduced to God, the Bible said that, that he was moving in creation, right? He was moving, and, and the Spirit of the Lord moved on the face of the water. One of the things that we have to be in tune with, why do we have to be so in tune with the Spirit? Because if we're not careful, we'll do things out of habit and rituals, and we will lose the power because the power is in the Spirit, not in the religiosity of what we do. Come on, somebody. Amen. We, we, we need order. We need structure. We need programs. We need processes. But if you don't have the spirit, you have an organization where the church has got to be an organism. We're alive. We're alive. Turn to somebody and tell them we're alive. And if we're alive, that means that we are growing and, and breathing and moving. And I really think it's very important because sometimes organizations, we get stuck in patterns and ruts. And in a time of such changing, that's why I really believe that we also have to incorporate what God's doing in the next generation. Because I believe every generation carries anointing for their time. Amen. Amen. And so as we talk about it, as we, we begin to learn and sharpen together, we have a number of speakers that I really believe is going to, to uh, impact you and impart things to you. But they also, I really believe, have such different perspectives and that you can glean something from everyone. I believe that not only the speakers, but the relationships that we gather as we come together in the unity of the faith, that we learn from one another, that we sharpen one another. I, I really believe it is a time that we have to understand the value of the people we're on this journey together with. Amen? Why, why, because the Bible talks to you about uh, the deposit that, that God's made in people and then that each one is gifted and called and shaped and created specifically and that we carry uniqueness in all of us. And so it's important for us not to live in isolation. In a time where isolation seems to be the order of the day, we as the leaders and we as church, the church cannot go into isolation, we have to reach out, we have to connect, we have to sharpen one another. Come on, amen? amen? And so God is wanting us to move with him in a culture that is changing. And to do that, it's going to take faith. We, we can't live by fear, we've got to live by faith. Faith is that hallmark that touches all of us. That's why in Hebrews he said, without faith it's impossible to please God. You can't please God if you're not moving in faith. Faith is one of those things that you and I have to actively uh, lean into each and every day. He is a 
rewarder. Somebody say rewarder. rewarder. He rewards those who diligently seek him and who move in faith. And so I want to talk just a little bit about uh, our leadership and how, how can we prepare ourselves and what is ways that we can take the leadership, whatever levels we are, whatever position you may be. If you've been entrusted in any place of leadership, then you need to be growing. We need to be growing. Amen? Amen. I, I want to say this. There's a big difference between a career and a calling. Uh, I think that a lot of times in the church, because when we when we move into more ritualistic, if we're not careful, we move from the calling and being spirit-led and spirit-inspired, we can get into uh, our skill set. And if we're not careful, we can begin to do what we have done out of the skills we've developed over time, and we forget to lean into the Holy Spirit. And we can have church without having the head of the church. I can't get no help. And so we're living in this time where I think as leaders, it is a time where we have to spend time. Like that worship this morning, I, I was uh, leaned over when he said, are you going to take your man? I said, no, you go ahead. But I, I'm feeling that that time of worship and prayer is as important as anything we're going to say today. Because in that moment, God begins to shift us. Amen. And, and so part of what we have to do as leaders is make sure that we understand that we're called, chosen, right? Because I'll be honest, at times when the problem seems so great, sometimes it can feel overwhelming of what to do in a changing world when we're trying to lead people and we're trying to lead them through faith, but we're also trying to protect the flock. Come on, right? And not be crazy, but yet use faith but we have to realize that there is a difference between career and calling. We are called to draw people to God and to live by faith. You see, a career is what you're paid for, but your calling is what you're made for. So it isn't about a paycheck. It's about your purpose. Come on, amen. Right? That's tattooable if you tattoo. Go ahead and put that on you. You are called. It has what you're made for. And so as we talk about that for a few moments, I... I want to say that your gift is not something you choose. It's something you discover. And so one of the things, if you're a senior leader here, uh, I want you to understand that the people that God brings into your team, whether they're volunteers or whether they're paid staff, that part of your responsibility is to identify the purposes and the gifting that is in them and then to help them discover it and then develop it. Uh, we have to realize that relationships are critical in the body of Christ. I'll be talking a little bit about how authentic relationships are so foundational in our network. We believe, and a bishop taught us a long time ago and spoke over it every time I ever heard him, about how the kingdom is relationally administered and that it's through relationships that God bridges you from where you are to where you're going. Yeah. It is through relationships yeah. that he, they help you discover, develop, and then uh, deploy what God has for you to do. It is through relationships. And we're living in a time where relationships are even more strained, but it's a time we need them more than we've ever needed them. So we as senior leaders have to realize that the teams that God brings to us, the volunteers and the staff, are not there to serve us. They're there to help us with the vision, but they're also entrusted into us as senior leaders to identify what we believe God is doing in them and then to help them on their path to find their place of fruitfulness. Amen? Amen. And so one of the things about... Uh, us finding or, or, or discovering our gift is making sure what makes you come alive. Because you can do a lot of things, but there are some things that you were created to do. And those things that you and I are created to do are the things that bring us passion. They bring life into us. And, and we have to live uh, with knowing that our life and our gift is something that we have to give away. Uh, your calling is God's gift to you. It's tied to your destiny. But your gifting is what you walk out that calling and your gift is not for you your gift is to for other people around you you may be gifted at, but a gift is not really a gift until it's given away and i get frustrated as a pastor sometimes when i see such gifted people who fail to engage in the mission of the church and i know without a doubt god brought them there for the purpose of helping the cause of christ can i get a witness from some pastor 
The altars are open. You can come at any time. We, we live with some gifted people around us, but you've also got to realize that if someone is not connected to you into the spirit, you have to be careful that you don't just look at the gift. You've got to make sure they're called. I think that in early in ministry, I made a lot of mistakes putting people that are gifted in position, but they weren't called to it. Wow. Or if they were called, they weren't really answering it in the right spirit. And if we're not careful, when we think someone can be a blessing, we can promote problems. Wow. Some people think that their gift is too small. And some people say, well, I, when you, you know they've got the right spirit, there's a lot of times that people that may not look as gifted as you think they need to be, they just need to be developed because the spirit is more important sometimes than the gift. Yeah, now, don't get me wrong. Gifting is important. I had a young man who was probably one of the greatest people, relational persons I ever met. And I was a youth pastor uh, 20, uh, 30 years ago, a long time ago. And uh, one of the things he came to me, and I loved the guy, and he just told me, he said, you know, God spoke to me, and I was always teaching him about praying and God speaking. I said, what did he say? And he said, he, he said, I need to sing a special. And I knew, I'd heard him sing, and I knew that wasn't God, right? I knew that wasn't God. God had told him that. But I didn't want to crush him because he had just began to experience God, and I just loved the guy. And he said, but I really feel I need to sing a special this week. And I said, really? And I'm like, Lord, give me wisdom right now, because I just want to just say, bro, you missed it. You can't sing words of lit. But I didn't want to crush him, and so I said, I tell you what, man, and it just the spirit dropped in. I said, "Let's go into let's go into the uh, into the sanctuary." I took him in the sanctuary. I said, "Get up there." He had a, a, a CD thing, and I put it in. I said, "Go ahead, man. Let's just practice. Let's listen to you." And so I sat in the sound booth. He started singing his little heart out. Man, he was feeling it. I mean, he was feeling it. But it sounded like a calf in a in a hailstorm. I was like, oh, oh. It was bad. It was bad. And so then I. I, he said, man, when he got done, he just knew I was anointed. That was anointed, wasn't it? You feel that, Pastor? I said, come here, buddy. I had him sit with me, and I said, uh, here's, here's it. I plugged it in, and I turned it all the way up, and I blared it through the sound system. He sat there, and I seen when he realized how bad it was. And he looked at me, and he said, is that me? I said, that's all you, dog. That's all you. That's all you know. He said, that's not good. I said, no, it ain't good. <laughs> Matter of fact, it passed good on the way down. I mean, it was. I said, but you know what, Kyle? I said, you may not be a singer. I can't sing either. But I'll tell you what. You have the gift of hospitality. <laughs> you make people feel welcome. I have never seen anybody. That can do what you do. When people come in, you're funny, you're engaging, you're incredible. People, when they come in, you just have this magnetism about you that you're anointed and gifted. And nobody can do what you do. And you need to focus on what you do. He became the biggest soul winner and gatherer of people. Why? Because somebody loved him enough to not let him try to do something he wasn't created to do. We have to discover the gifts in people. And leadership, we have to be strong enough to begin to have those conversations about the reality of, you know, because here's the deal. When we come into places, we see people in the gifts, and then you're like, I want to do that. That is right. Pastor Tangie's singing, and just, you know what I'm saying? Some people can just open their mouth, and just the Holy Spirit just drops in here heavy. Come on, amen. You know what I'm, I'd like to do that. God said, you ain't going to do that. That ain't what you call to do. So we as leaders have to identify who's with us. And then we have to begin to develop them. And here's the thing. I really feel that we need to be very intentional about reaching into the next generation. And we need to identify them earlier. And the reason we need to identify them earlier is because every generation carries an anointing for the time that they have been birthed in. And that we have got to be careful that we don't overlook the gifts that God is bringing into the house. Come on, amen. amen. You know, the, 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 the widow woman who needed the oil, she overlooked the cruise of oil until someone, a man of God, began to identify what she had in her house. 
and said, your problem is not what you don't have. It's not that you're not putting a demand on what you do have because God always puts in your house what you need. You just need to be identifying what this, come on somebody. And so it didn't look like much, but when she began to pour, everything she needed was in that little cruise. She was just looking at it with a, a mindset of scarcity. That's why in leadership, uh, pastors, you can't just look at the vision of God by your budget. You, you can't just look at about what God's saying by what you got. You've got to begin to move by faith in what he's declared and realize that what he's given you, you be faithful to develop what's in your house and God will either do that or he'll also bring more to you because who's faithful with the small beginnings? Come on, we'll be faithful over more. He'll increase. You see, our, our complete calling is revealed in phases and we have to help people walk through those phases it's in motion the ministry's in motion the church is moving the church is moving in the spirit we are and the thing about getting in tune with god why do we have to press into the spirit because god did not all of a sudden get shocked by covid he didn't get freaked out god's been around through the spanish flu come on <laughs> He's been, a he's been around through world wars. He's been, he's been around through all the different times. And so, and the church has been around moving through all the times of human history. And this is not something that God is not prepared to empower his church to do. We as leaders just have to realize we can't get overwhelmed, even though sometimes the world is overwhelmed. We need uh, to walk in the wisdom of God because we sometimes get so focused on a, a vision being accomplished, the ending of building a building. And one of the biggest dangers of uh, a vision is when you complete one phase of it, there's a tendency to begin to settle and begin to be comfortable. I, I remember when we started and we started in rental buildings and we, we didn't have money and we didn't have resources and we, we outgrew a little facility. Then we went to the auditorium and we still had vision and then we bought property and, and as we brought property, it was great. Then we built the first building and we moved in and man, it was a celebration. It was incredible. We had 12 acres and all that and then we continued. And one of the things I had to continue Continue to fight against not only for myself but for the church is to think that we've arrived and then we can just begin to put it in cruise control you can never put it in cruise control because there's still lost people and, and so as leaders we have to continue to move and as you continue to move continue to press into the spirit and ask God what he is what he's wanting you to do next what is what is the solutions to the problems in your community because each of us each of us have been called, I believe, to locations. I believe with all my heart that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. And I didn't just show up in a community in the woods because I wasn't born in the woods. I was born in South Florida. I lived in Miami. Come on. God called me to a place. And when I answered the call, my friends were like, why are you going there? There is nothing there, but I knew that God, and when I prayed, God said, everything that I'm going to do with you, I can do from this location. Because if you'll dig the roots deep, the tree will have great reach. And, and so part of what we have to realize is we can't look at what you don't have. Oh, I don't have the people. I don't have the money. I don't have the building. I don't have the budget. I don't have the, I don't, what you've got to realize is you've got what you need. It's on the inside. You've got to discover it, and then you're going to have to spend some time developing it. But when you begin to do it, God will continue to increase because this is still a faith walk. I don't care how many conferences we come to and get processes. It's still faith. Can I get a witness from some leaders who know it takes faith? Come on. Amen. And I thank God for, I thank God for the people that we get in relationship with because they do teach us and they do help us with processes. But the process is serving the vision. And that is that we got to lift up Christ in a lost and dying world. I want to talk real quickly about, because I think this is, there's a couple of things I think leaders need to hear. Um, and this is one of those things, a, servant's, a servant leader's heart with a kingdom leader's head. I, I think there's two real messages that we have to get, uh, main messages. One is we got to have a teachable spirit. 
I find that once you have a certain level of success, if you're not careful, you feel like the only thing you need to do is teach people. But I think we never, we never get to a place that we don't need to be the student learning and growing. Right. Come on, amen. I, I, I know some guys, and said we got, and, and I, I love them to death and care about them, but they're not interested ever in sitting in and listening to anybody. They, they want to fly in and teach and fly out. And, and I'm just telling you what happens is when we quit leading, we put the lid on ourselves. When we quit being teachable and we think that we're the ones who've got all the revelation, because nobody in this room has all the revelation, we could pass the mic around and from every perspective we could get some nugget of truth from people and their experiences. A servant, a servant leader's heart with a kingdom leader's head. What does that mean? It means uh, that a servant leader, uh, their heart must, it speaks of the willingness to do whatever's needed to advance the vision and the cause of Christ. Uh, there's no job beneath us. As leaders, it doesn't matter how big your church is. It doesn't matter uh, what the thing is. What, what is needed? I, I'm very uh, conscious of creating a culture that is not hierarchical. I, I really believe. I know that we have responsibilities. I know that there's honor given. I know all those things. But I've got a, I want a team that is open to do whatever's needed. Wherever you need to serve, you've got to be willing to serve. Yeah. And that starts with a leader being willing to do whatever's needed because if you're not willing to do whatever's needed, then we create a culture where other people, if it is not in their job description, then that's not what I do. No, your job description is to move the vision forward. Come on, amen? Uh, a kingdom leader's head speaks of learning and growing to continue to get better and more effective in how we advance the vision of the house. Uh, but we, we must... We must model the culture we want. Some people say, well, we, I want people to be friendly. We have got to model friendliness. We can't come out 15 minutes after service uh, starts uh, and then leave uh, right at the end and never talk to anyone if we want a friendly church. We, as leaders, have to sow the seeds in our teams and we model it for them that we need to love the people. Come on, amen? Yeah. It's natural and necessary for many young leaders to try to do everything, but I think one of the things that we do many times is we're not developing leaders around us. So even though we're willing to do whatever's needed, because when we started with nothing, we had to start, come on, we cleaned the building, we, we set up the chairs, we, we did all the outreach. Come on, I even ran the puppets. Are you hearing me in the street ministry? We, you do whatever's needed. Come on. And I, my puppet would crack some jokes off the strip. I would just, I would riff on them. And they would be like, where's Pastor going? I'm going crazy. Right? But what does it mean? What they saw is that I'm doing anything that's needed. So when somebody shows up that's gifted and, and, and all of this, they realize that in this culture, it doesn't matter what you can do. You need to do what's needed to do. And when people come together with that common cause, it creates community. It creates community, right? Uh, I understand. I understand the tension sometimes um, for a young leader who starts doing everything to then continue to do everything. But that's why you need to lean into the spirit because your role is not to do everything, but it is to identify the gifts and the talents and the anointings that are coming into the house, and then you begin to release things to people. And I think that there's two there's two uh, problems there. Sometimes uh, a leader, senior leaders, we can get to the point that we feel like something is beneath us and we won't do it, and that's not healthy. And then we get to the point that we don't think anybody can do it as good as us, and then we try to do everything, and we've got to release some stuff. Yeah. Howard Hendricks, the incredible teacher at the Dallas Theological Seminary, said the secret of concentration is elimination. And I realize that as something grows and God blesses, that at that point, we as leaders must lean into the spirit and we must let him lead us into the things we are to release and when we're to release them and who we're to release them to. Everyone in this leader, whether you're a senior leader, whether you're a, a pastor over an area, whether you're a volunteer leader, I'm telling you that God is going to send you people that are going to come alongside you to carry out the vision that you have. And uh, if you're uh, leading a department under an umbrella vision, those people are going to be coming to you because when you pray, God will send you the laborers. Yeah. And when they come, 
make sure you start identifying those who are gifted, how they were gifted, and then releasing them because it's only through walking it out that they're going to truly begin to grow. A leadership reality is that we have to be careful because in churches, just like in organizations, that there is people that are not committed to the vision, they're committed to get a position. This, uh, this, this may hurt somebody, but I got to go. We have people that are wanting to, to climb a ladder. We're having, you have people that are, are committed to position and they're wanting the title. But you've got to realize that truly the, the kingdom of God is not about the title. It's about the cause. It's about the vision. And when you have people that are not vision committed, they're only position committed, then they're, they're out of order. I said it gets out of order. Why? Because the, the goal is more important than the role. And, and if you begin to understand, every, there's things that are under your authority. As a pastor, everything there is under my authority, right? I can go into any meeting and I can change things. But I have found out early on that there are people in my team who carry different giftings and different anointings. And though I am under my authority to do it, it is not good for the vision because they may be more gifted and more skilled in an area, and in that place, I will come and get up under that vision. Give me an example. We, we do mission work, so we send missionaries, and we do medical missions all over the place, and we do building projects, and we do all kinds of things. We've been into 40 countries. I train leaders. We network with pastors. We build three children homes. We, we do all of these things, but I found out real early that when we get there and we have doctors and nurses who are traveling and that we have this big medical brigade and a thousand people show up for medical care, it may be under my authority, but it's not under my competence. You don't mean the diagnosing things. People will die. Are you hearing me? People will die. So i got to do my part. So I have to come in. And when we get on the clinic, I put it together, we, we recruit, we do all those things. And I have a mission pastor who's a nurse, and then we have the teams come, and we have doctors, I mean, incredible, and they're making sacrifices. But when we come, we, we, we give them the leadership role. Why? Because they know what needs to happen, and then we come along, what do you need me to do? Is anybody hearing me? Because if you don't do that, and that's, a, that's just one of those cases that's so clear then you limit the effectiveness because we become more ego-driven than we are vision-driven. Because it's not only for the people, it's for the us. Now in that, I've got to say, and I, I don't want to brag, but when they said they're putting it all together, and the doctor says, well, I need someone to run the pharmacy. And I looked around and nobody, and I said, well, I can pass out drugs. I've been trained. I did that far. I got saved. Come on, somebody. I am your man. I am your man. I will run that pharmacy. It will be a well-oiled machine. God trained me for this mission trip. When we go and do what we're doing, God will give us the people for the goal is more important than the role. And when a person becomes more position motivated than vision and they get out of order, then it begins to cause dysfunction in the team. We as leaders have got to be willing to understand that there are people that have specialized anointings and we want to put them in the right position. But the spirit, we have to be willing to serve anywhere. One of the greatest examples is Jacob DeCrome, professional baseball player, probably the best pitcher in, in uh, baseball. And uh, this one uh, is just one of those things that uh, I've used because it's so, uh, to me, so clean and clear. He is paid 137, he got a contract in, in 2019, paid $137.5 million or $27.5 million a year to play baseball. Now, he gets struck out 82% uh, uh, of the time. <laughs> Over eight times, he gets at the bat. He is striking out. He cannot bat. I don't care if he wants to be Babe Ruth. I don't care if that's been his dream since he's a little kid. He's not getting paid to be Babe Ruth. But he's the best pitcher in baseball. And they pay him to pitch. They get other people who can bat. Come on, somebody. And he just strike out the other team. And they win. Why? Because they put him in the right position. So I don't want you to get it twisted. 
in that certain people have specialized anointings that we need to use. But what I'm saying is the spirit of the house for leaders is we got to be willing to do whatever to make the vision go forward. The moment a leader steps away from their area of their greatest strengths and gifts and begins to lead in areas where they are much weaker, the effectiveness of their leadership team and the leadership begins to diminish. Leaders forget to distinguish between their authority and their competence. And that's why we have to be secure enough in who we are. Leadership, if you have insecurity in your leadership, it will cause dysfunction in your team. And it will cause, listen, it will cause um, the dwarfism, the, the reduction of what God wants to do, not because the spirit is limiting, but because insecurity is limiting. We're living in a time where leaders, listen to me, leaders, when you know that you're called by God, you know that God's called you, rest in that calling because if you only want to lead people who are less gifted, less anointed, less uh, 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 skilled than you, then you are always causing your ministry to live with this lid that you've created. But when God sends you people that are more gifted, be secure enough in your own calling to begin to release people. Come on. Saul, God brought David to Saul. And instead of using Saul in the advancement of, of the nation of Israel, his insecurity caused him to lose everything. I've seen ministries because people began to get insecure about people God's sending. They began to cause dysfunction. And then it began to eat the ministry up from the inside. I see it, especially in a generation as you get older, because you're wanting to continue to walk in that anointing. And what I'm wanting to make sure is you understand you still walk in your anointing. Because someone comes alongside you does not mean your anointing is diminished. Come on, amen? Well, well, because your gift is different than their gift, that doesn't diminish your gift. Don't get in the comparison trap because that will cause you. We've got to get past the time that we as pastors get together and we just talk about the size of the church and think that means we're more anointed. I believe some of the most anointed people in America are people that are pastoring churches you've never heard of and you may never hear them teach. But they're anointed, but they are called and secure in who they are. Leaders who fail to recognize or admit their weaknesses are leaders who have allowed the false notion to believe that they're that they are leaders with no weaknesses. We got weaknesses. We all have them. And if you don't know what you're not good at, ask the people that you lead. <laughs> my, my guys know what I'm not good at. Right? And it's okay. Why? Because a real team covers each other's weaknesses. Because when you get people on the team who are gifted in area, they know, pastor's not good at that, but I'm sitting here, can I serve you in this area? Yes, let's do this. You take care of that, right? And that is part of what we're trying to create is a body culture that's flowing together. If you, if you don't know what you're not good at, just have a conversation with somebody who's with you. They'll be glad to share. Your weakness is somebody else's opportunity. Your weakness is somebody else's opportunity. One of the problems that we as leaders, because you have to have a strong confidence in your calling and your anointing and your unction to plant a church. You can't be insecure and plant a church, right? If, or you won't make it. You won't make it. So that same strength that causes you to dig out something that, can't, that, that most people can't dig out unless you're called to do it, the enemy will take that confidence and that anointing and that unction, and if you're not careful, when the growing process, he'll take your strength and then make a weakness out of it. He'll try to turn your gift against you because then you will think that if you admit you can't do something, that some way and somehow you're diminishing your leadership or your credibility, you're not. Let me tell you something. When you tell someone I'm not good at this and I need you to help me with it and you can help the vision, you don't lose credibility. Your credibility goes up because they said he's a good leader. But it also, it is a commitment of time. We have to take time to develop the leaders God gives us. 
And I believe that we're in a season that is more imperative than ever for us to have that uh, communication with the young leaders coming up. I think if we don't, I don't. I, I think if we don't, we're going to miss a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think we're not going to be sensitive to some of the things happening in the culture. Uh, Howie uh, Howard Hendricks, who really an incredible uh, teacher there at that Baptist Theological Seminary, had one of his students, and, and and a lot of them would ask him, "Why don't you go out and pastor? You could you could have a mega church. You're incredible. All the great or large Baptist pastors have gone through his classes, and he's uh, mentored them." And he said, "I." prayed about it years ago and God told me that for the kingdom I am in the right place because I'm developing them in a way that when I send them out it's being multiplied if I'm a pastor it's one place here I'm pastoring and sending pastors all over and he had one of those pastors that had so much gifts and he went into an area and the, the church struggled and struggled he had taken over a, a very a traditional church and he asked Howard Hendricks after a year of struggle he said would you come and just evaluate and tell me why I can't break through. And he went and he sat through a couple of services and then they had their meeting, the consulting. And Howard Hendricks, he said, what do you think? He said, our finances are drying up. He said, you got two choices. If your finances are drying up, you either need to build a fence around your building, call it a museum, and charge people to come see how it used to be done. Or you need to get some young people that will challenge some of your, and it doesn't mean you got to take all the ideas. But it needs to run through the filter of what God's called you to do, but be open to make changes. Yeah. You see, God is creative. Yeah. Problems, we think, are obstacles. But in reality, it's opportunities for creativity and innovation. And when we do it, when the world is struggling and the churches has solutions and we're thriving, the world looks at us and say, why are we shutting down businesses and we can't do it? And yet the church is thriving. What do you got? We got Jesus. That's what we got. We got Jesus. And so uh, I know my time is about up. Um, in the early church, we know that when the church began to grow, that the apostles began to face obstacles. The obstacles were what? That the Grecian widows were not being cared for correctly. And so they came together and they said, because of the time and the ministry growing and expanding, we need to find some leaders. And then they found those lay leaders, Stephen and the others, and they prayed over them to take over that part of the ministry that they could devote their, their time to the preaching and the expanding and the evangelism of it. And, and if you'll notice that when they made that decision to release something that they were doing, that the ministry began to take off and it began to explode. It is a model that when you start, you may have to do a lot, but be careful that you don't hold on to things. That is not just for senior leaders. That is for every leader of every department. You need to multiply and duplicate yourself. You need to basically train people that make you that you could do something else. You don't need to get job secure and have turf wars. My name's Lonnie and I'm your friend. I'm trying to tell you something. Because we get, we begin to lead out of insecurity. But when they did it, and you'll study now, the Holy Spirit was moving with the apostles. And then when that group began to feed the, they took over the feeding of the hungry and the needy and the broken. If you'll notice the movement of the Holy Spirit, it was moving with the apostles in a very powerful way. And then when the laity began to move and minister to the broken, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to shift and the book of Acts moved from the apostles and it moved to Stephen and Philip and began to follow the people who were doing the ministry because the Holy Spirit is going to follow where the most ministry is happening. In our houses, we've got to be careful that we don't just become self, where it's all about us. The more that we minister to a hurt and dying world, the more we're putting a demand on the spirit and he moves with us and he'll lead us and he'll guide us and he'll direct us. And so even though we have our services, we need to make sure we make time for worship and for prayer and for spending time in God's presence. Amen. Amen. Uh, my time is up. Uh, I want to uh, just have a word of prayer. We're going to have a 10 minute uh, uh, break. And then we're going to come back and Pastor Archie is going to share some things with us 
Um, I'm so glad you're here. Let me just pray over you for a moment. Father, I just thank you for the men and women that are here. You know their areas of responsibility. You know their places of service. You know what you've called them to do, what houses and what, what areas of leadership. I pray that today, Father, as we talk and we spend time together, that you sharpen us all. Lord, that you uh, deposit things into us. That you begin to move. There's some here that are broken. There's some here that are struggling. There's, there's some that are going through personal problems. Or maybe they're going through really questioning or ministry crisis. We're living in a time where things are changing and shifting. And in these moments of shift, when things may not be going like we had hoped, the enemy will want us to question the call. Father, I pray that this day, this day, that it's not just another meeting. It's not just some principles. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit will warm their heart. I pray that you'll just pour out fresh oil. God, my heart is heavy for pastors. I pray you'll help them lift the load the strength, with, the, with your strength. Father, they, they've led for any length of time. They've been hurt. They've been betrayed. They've been talked about. Their motives have been questioned. Their leadership have been questioned. Lord, but you have created and called. And Lord, in those moments, sometimes it seems that the voices of the critic and the naysayer is louder than anything around us. Hope today to quiet quiet all the voices and let us just hear your voice speak life into your people grow them in their understanding of the moment we're in Father help them give them discernment to identify the help you are sending to identify not only the gift but the spirit of a person I pray that today relationships will be made. People will get connected. That they will be enriched not only for one day, but communication on the journey. That will grow a relationship that's authentic. It's not just about when things are going good and we want to call and just say, hey, it's going good. But Lord, those, those, that, that circle of people that is so real and so authentic and and, and that can really help us that we can call them and say, it's really going bad and I'm really struggling and here's what I'm dealing with and I just need you to pray with me and I need you to kind of give me any insight or any wisdom that you may have. And in that journey, we're stronger together. So Father, we just thank you. Open our hearts today. I thank you for those who made the journey. I pray that there's a deposit, a life-changing deposit today. Father, we're going to give you glory, we're going to give you honor, we're going to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.